and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. Throughout the last few years, misinformation has been rampantly spreading throughout our country, and it's come at a real cost. Long-standing friendships have ended over arguments about truth and misinformation, and there are families who have members who are not speaking to one another anymore. Think of how often you hear about someone who says, I don't talk to this person in my family now because I feel like they're caught up in conspiracy theories. They're caught up in the culture of lies. And really, if we consider the events that have transpired over the last year, it's just not surprising that this is where we are. As the COVID-19 pandemic began to intensify, it was both grossly mismanaged by the Trump administration and heavily politicized. Now, combine that with the fact that most of us have spent a lot more time alone, or at least with a considerably smaller group of people. And it's no wonder that our lives have turned into virtual echo chambers as we all strive to make some sense of connection and identity to ward off the ever-present feelings of loneliness and unease. For some of us, it's meant spending hours in a late-night vortex of YouTube videos or doom-scrolling on Instagram. And for others, it's taken a far darker turn. Today, we want to spend some time talking about the conspiracy theories, the misinformation that is driving all of this tension. And specifically, we want to talk about QAnon and how it's impacting our closest and most precious relationships. In a little bit, we're going to talk with a therapist who specializes in family conflict and says he's seen a rise in conspiracy-related family feuds. But first, I want to welcome someone who recently took a deep dive into this subject. Greg Jaffe is a national reporter with The Washington Post, and he's one of the reporters behind a new interactive story at WashingtonPost.com titled Life Amid the Ruins of QAnon. Greg Jaffe, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So at this point, it seems like almost everyone has a story about someone in their life who has gone down the road of believing some aspect of element of this QAnon conspiracy mythology. Let's start there with the staggering proliferation of this conspiracy theory. What can you tell us about the origins of it and its growth? So it starts, you know, somewhere in kind of uh, late 2016, early 2017 um, with these things called Q drops. And so Q is this anonymous um, sort of prophet who claims to have sort of a a secret uh, uh, security clearance inside the U.S. government and just begins posting increasingly crazy and bizarre and untrue conspiracies. And you see them over time, Turn, you see Q followers start to show up at Trump rallies in 2018. Um, and uh, in some ways, they operate with the sort of the kind of quasi blessing of some senior Republicans, including Trump, President Trump at the time, who, who wouldn't distance himself from them. Um, and now, you know, we, we have uh, at least Q followers are people who've been Q sympathetic in, in Congress, you know, two prominent congresswomen, one from uh, Georgia and one from Colorado are, are in uh, the U.S. Congress right now. And so you can really see the proliferation of this. I came to it um, after the Capitol riots where uh, folks asked me to dig into it. And I was really shocked by the prevalence of these stories of folks who feel like their lives have been ruined 
because their loved ones have, have fallen into this conspiracy so deeply. Mm. So you you said a couple things there that I want to focus on. You talked about how these are completely untrue things that are being that are being said that that they are falsehoods. Uh, it, it strikes me that one of the problems that has developed as part of this phenomenon is the questioning of what is true and what is not. And it seems as though one of the the measures of success, I guess, of something like QAnon is that it has a lot of people questioning whether there is truth or whether uh, we all just have kind of different opinions uh, about what's true and what's not. Talk just a little bit about the falsity, uh, why you know that what this person is putting out there uh, is false, and then this effect that this misinformation has had on the quality of uh, debate over over truth and falsity. Yeah, I mean, the real reason we know it's false is um, because he's, you know, consistently he or she or whomever has, uh, or is a, a conglomeration of people operating under that name. Um, have consistently predicted things that have turned out to be false. And so I think that's one of the really frustrating things for family members, particularly a reason why it came to a head um, this fall and winter. You know, there were all these predictions about the November election, what was going to happen after that, that uh, that this storm was coming in, which Trump would out kind of armies of pedophiles and Satanists who are operating uh, inside the U.S. government and at, uh, inside the U.S. Uh, economy at the sort of high levels of the U.S. economy. Uh, when that date went away, it was Inauguration Day was going to be the day the storm came. And, you know, it was like this great awakening um, of, of violence and arrests and uh, power outages. That day came and went, and now they've moved the the goalposts again to March 4th, you know, is the day that the storm is being predicted. So it's really been frustrating for family members who I think lived with this for years and thought, okay, if I can just make it to Inauguration Day, my loved one will see that, you know, what was predicted didn't happen uh, and will come back to earth. But the goalposts continue to move and the, the conspiracy continues to metastasize. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is that the, it's not just a questioning of what's truth with the people, who, the hardcore believers who believe in this conspiracy. I mean, they believe that they have truth, that what's seen in the newspapers and what's you know heard on your radio station is 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 false. Mm-hmm. And so, their conviction that this is happening is strong and heartfelt, um, and you know not. Not cynical. They believe they have a truth. It's a truth the rest of us refuse to acknowledge. Mm. And and talk about the appeal of QAnon and the information that comes from QAnon to the numbers of people that we've seen uh, subscribe to, to to this way of thinking. I mean, I think what what separates it from, I guess, more recent uh, phenomenon where people. Uh, are, are, are spreading misinformation or are, are telling lies is that this is something that has taken very deep root in 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 our culture and there are a lot of people who are who are following it what what is it about QAnon in your judgment that that attracts people to to believe yeah I think a big part of it is that it's what made it novel is that it's interactive you know uh, followers can take part in the kind of hunt for clues as if they're playing a video game. 
Hmm. And then, so it's very much a product. It's, it's really one of our first cults that's a product of the internet age. Um, social media ad- algorithms then, you know, built to capture and keep our attention. And we know how effective they are when we're looking at our phones. You know, they then direct you to more um, conspiracy and, and more, you know, in quotes, clues. And that sort of expands the pool of hardcore believers. People are, are drawn into it by these algorithms. And then I think the other big difference is like, unlike other conspiracy theories, this one really did have the blessing of some of the senior leaders in our government, or at least the quasi blessing. You know, President Trump embraced the movement, or at least he wouldn't condemn it because they liked him. Um, uh, we have Congress people who who believe in this or who have spread this, and so that gives it a real bite for people, um, in the sense that they feel like, uh, you know, I'm not just this crazy person. Serious people in our government have said that this could be true, um, and that's I think the people in our government who've done that have done it largely for very cynical and craven reasons. But it has it has real consequences. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that you mentioned is the pandemic is going on, and that creates a sense of isolation. It means that you're not talking to friends with different opinions. Um, you know, you're living in this algorithm-driven world, and that that makes it even harder. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and the pandemic's production of fear, I think, has a lot to do with. It. I mean, people, I think, are genuinely frightened about what's going on. Most of us have never experienced anything quite like COVID-19 and and not just the disruption it it has brought to all of our lives, but but also the, the despair and the sadness and, and the loss. Uh, I, I think those are all accelerants for the idea uh, of these kinds of conspiracy theories. I think that's right. During times of intense anxiety and stress, conspiracy theories... Uh, if you talk to folks who are experts in this, they seem to take hold more strongly. Yeah, I'm talking with Greg Jaffe, a national reporter with The Washington Post. Uh, he's one of the reporters behind a new interactive story at WashingtonPost.com titled Life Amid the Ruins of QAnon. It is about the way in which uh, this phenomenon, QAnon, and the conspiracy theories that come out of it are really straining the relationships that we have with those closest to us, those people in our families. Uh, we'd l- really love to hear from you during this conversation as well. Do you have someone in your life who believes in QAnon or believes in other conspiracy theories? Uh, how have you navigated that relationship? Uh, are you able to maintain a relationship with somebody who believes these things? Um, or have you had to step away from a close relationship uh, because of these kinds of uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Ed on Twitter says, literally just moments before a friend of mine repeated a QAnon conspiracy that the actual death count is only 6% from COVID. He said, I need to read the quote, real news. Uh, Carl on Twitter says, at no other time in our history have such wild conspiracy theories taken hold of national politics. They have always been fringe. The reason for their impact now is because Trump and the Republican Party have embraced and given legitimacy 
to this nonsense. Uh, uh, Greg, before we go to more listeners, I want to ask you about that point. This is this is a conspiracy theory or a set of conspiracy theories that have appeal on on the right, the political right in in our country, and they're associated now with a, a particular brand of conservatism or republicanism or whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, I, I wonder though, is it is there something about this kind of misinformation that uh, that matches? more strongly, I guess, with, with conservatism? Or do we see similar things sometimes uh, sometimes on the political left? Yeah, I mean, we certainly see things on t- at times on the political left. Um, I think what's different about this one is the depth and breadth of it um, that we haven't seen on the left. The left conspiracy theorists have tended to be, uh, tended to remain more on the, on the fringe. You know, I tried to think of some on the left that... Uh, Stuff to the effect of that the uh, second you know plane didn't crash into the Pentagon that that was fake that was one that seemed to take hold on the left um, after nine eleven mm-hmm. um, but that fell away quickly um, and then uh, you know there was there's some conspiracy theorizing uh, depending on your point of view with regard to the Iraq War certainly and the faked intelligence there um, uh, uh, or the, the lack of intelligence there but nothing on this scale. Um, I would say historically we have been through these moments before and it's important to remember certainly McCarthyism took over America and entered the mainstream of American politics in a really troubling way and that was a you know conspiracy theory uh, with regard to you know communists being rife with it throughout America that was in some ways just as profound if not more profound and disorienting than the current current QAnon one. The current QAnon one is even wackier and crazier but I, I think, but um, you know that that certainly was a very serious moment in American history. Mm. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Mark in Gross Point. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. Sure. I'd like to get your um, your thoughts as well as your guest thoughts. Um, my mom, just uh, as uh, Trump became uh, president, moved from a uh, long term Democrat to actually accepting. You know all the conspiracy theories and you know, the nonsense, and it, it, it it's challenging uh, due to the fact you know 30 years ago you know back in the Reagan days you talk about politics, then it moved to tactics on how you could compromise. Today that you can't agree upon facts. You know it's like uh, if I show you something that is factual against your conspiracy theory, um, you basically show me that that my um, my my source is incorrect. Mm. Your source is Fox. My source is MSNBC. Your source is X minus Y. So how do we get to an area of compromise when um, you know the that uh, the, the challenge comes in is where what is factual to even uh, to, to even discuss? Yeah, but Mark, before I have our guest respond, I'm curious if you can talk just a little more about the relationship with your mom and how you have navigated that since she's subscribed to these kinds of these kinds of theories the relationship has become extremely superficial um not to discuss anything of substance not to discuss anything of politics not to discuss anything of um you know, uh, what's going on you know january 6th uh, january 6th itself what occurred in front of your eyes was really a group of people that were anti-trump you know antifa <laughs> hmm. so so my comment, to answer your question, Stephen, the, the relationship is extremely superficial. 
and it's just above uh, discussing whether or what's going on within the family members, but never uh, move on beyond that. Wow. Wow. Mark, I, I, I'm very sorry, of course, to hear about that that state of your relationship with your mom and hope that, that someday it does get better. But I really appreciate your calling and, and sharing that with us. So Greg Jaffe, uh, react to what Mark's talking about here. Yeah, no, I think that's what I've heard is a very, what he outlines is a very common sentiment. I uh, Part of the reporting I did for this group, the story is I looked at a group called QAnon Casualties in which fam, people like like Mark and others write in about their kind of lost family members. And it's a, a Reddit group um, uh, where people can get support, um, uh, vent, and it's the growth in it has been phenomenal, particularly since the election. It went from a few thousand members prior to the November election. Now I looked yesterday, it was, it was approaching 140,000. So just, you know, exponential growth in the last few months. Mm -hmm. In terms of talking to to experts about how to handle this, I mean, I hate to say it, but the way Mark is handling it is is what they recommend, um, that you can't get into an argument over facts, um, that this isn't about facts, and it's also not about the person's intelligence. And so um, uh, the way to do it is to try to find common ground with folks. The way to bring folks back is to try and find common ground, to talk about shared memories, um, uh, from the past, um, good memories, um, you know, your feelings for each other, um, and to, to bring them around that way. But if you get in an argument about facts, it quickly becomes an argument about, you know, whether the person's crazy or intelligent or not intelligent or those things. And that, that leads to a really, um, that leads the person to just dig in. And so telling the person that they're wrong, trying to convince them that they're wrong with facts can be kind of counterproductive mm. at, at, at times, which doesn't mean that you should agree with them. That's absolutely wrong as well. Um, but you sh- if you disagree, you know, you should make sure to do it as civilly as possible and, and acknowledge to yourself, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm never going to be able to marshal enough facts to convince this person they're wrong because this isn't about facts. It's, it's not, not about, about that. Yeah. yeah, it's not about critical thinking. It's not about rationality. It's not about intelligence. Wow. Wow. Uh, again, uh, Mark, uh, really, really appreciate uh, the call and, uh, and your comments. Let's go to Bob in Wyandotte. Bob. Uh, Hi there. Hey, my backdoor neighbor, who's uh, a friend of mine, but he's, uh, he's following the Q stuff, and uh, I call him a retrumplican now. But all these people that are blindly following this Q, they don't know who he is. He's anonymous. How do we know that he's not a Russian operative put in by Putin? Hmm. Uh, Bob, I think that's a really important question, and and I'm glad you called uh, and asked it because we do know that uh, there is a significant effort by the Russian government and and some others to disrupt politics in this country with misinformation. So, uh, Greg Jaffe, uh, how do we know that Q is not either a Russian operative or related to Russian efforts to confuse, you know, American politics. As to the origins of Q, we just don't know anything about it as to who these people, who this person was or who they are now. I I don't think it's one person at this point. But I think the point you raise is a really important one. The way disinformation works, particularly among foreign adversaries, is they prey on our weakness. So to the extent that, you know, we believe conspiracies, they amplify them to the extent that there's sort of racial tension. 
they amplify it on both sides. And their goal, particularly in the, you know, the disinformation campaigns, whether they be Russia or otherwise, is to sort of amplify the chaos and the tension in our society. And so any fracture they can find, um, they'll pile onto it. They're less about, at least as I've studied it, I feel like less about creating things, but more looking for the sickness that resides within us and, and making it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Bob, great question. Uh, appreciate the call. Let's go to Alea in Detroit. Alea, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm calling from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I'm black. Mm-hmm. I think there are there's a significant black population that is following down this rabbit hole, too. And I think it's because, along with many other conspiracy theories, we just don't trust new sources that haven't reconciled with the horrible past mm. that um, an impact that America has had on black communities. Mm. So folks are looking for truth from anywhere other than the mainstream media. For instance, there's very little acknowledgement that the Trump administration was, um, was imposed, was forcing sterilization on immigrant women during mm-hmm. its term. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, now the government is backing another, um, like, immunization. How are we supposed to trust that? Yeah. Alea, that is a really, really important uh, point uh, to bring up. And, you know, the the, the history of, of, uh, you know, abuse of certain communities with misinformation, often from the government, uh, or from from established media is one of the one of the bedrocks that that something like QAnon is able to 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 build on. Uh, Greg Jaffe, uh, talk about that that history and how it relates to QAnon in in particular. I will say QAnon. Most of the people I talked to were white, uh, but uh, there were a couple of people, particularly that I found through that QAnon casualties website and spoke about uh, spoke to. Uh, who were worried about black relatives who'd gone down uh, the rabbit hole of uh, QAnon uh, and and how hard that was. Um, one woman wrote in and I talked to about her sister uh, and, uh, you know, showing up at a family reunion. It began with her showing up at a family reunion with a MAGA hat and just being very kind of confrontational with her her relatives, um, and then sort of degenerated into the sort of conspiracy theories that everything was Antifa and that they were behind the Capitol riots and uh, just how hard it had been for that friend, in part because QAnon, to a certain extent, has has sort of flirted with white supremacy as Mm -hmm. well uh, and played on the the fringes of that. And so uh, for the woman, the black woman writing about her black sister, it it was particularly troubling. Uh, She worried in particular about her her nephews and how they were being taught to think about themselves um, uh, by their um, mother. So it's, I think if you're a minority who's had a relative fall down on this because of the tinges of white supremacy, it's really painful. But the broader point's just as true. You know, there's distrust on all sides and um, there's distrust of the, of the media and of the government. Um, and some of it does come from failing to acknowledge past wrongs and, um, uh, and so it's it's not rooted in in complete craziness, um, uh, you know. But we, I, it just goes to show the importance of of a, of a trusted, open, accountable media. I suppose. Yeah. Okay, Greg Jaffe, national reporter 
with the Washington Post. Uh, really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. And we're going to talk with a local therapist who has been dealing with a rise in conspiracy-related family conflict in his work. We also want to continue to hear from you, Frida in Detroit, Sharon in Harrison Township. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking right now about the strain that QAnon and other kinds of conspiracy theories are putting on our closest relationships. Are you somebody who is not able to talk with members of your family because of their belief in conspiracy theories? Are you somebody who's lost close friends because they started repeating things that they heard from QAnon to you as though they were true. We want to hear about those experiences and how you're navigating them, especially in the era of a pandemic when we are a little more isolated and a little more distant from the people that we would normally be much closer to. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. I want to welcome another voice into uh, this conversation now. Ronnie Evan Hormel is a therapist who works at Birmingham Maple Clinic in Troy and often works with families focusing on family conflict. He says that he is seeing more of this phenomenon right now, people strained by QAnon and other conspiracy theories. Uh, Ronnie Hormel, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Sure. So generally speaking, what are you hearing from your clients when it comes to these conspiracy theories and the, the role they're playing in their relationships? So I think it's kind of a lot of what you um, guys have been touching on already, where it is a very gridlocked thing, um, where somebody will be bringing up something and it feels very controversial. It feels very um, fear-based. And I think one of the problems, so I'm going to be coming at it from a little bit of a different perspective, because I think it's so important to even hear and listen. And that's the only way we're going to kind of get healing um, from both sides, Um, even though I just sounded like President Trump right there, (laughs) (laughs) on both sides. Um, So, you know, I I think so many times people will come in my office and, or, which is now virtual, and they are talking about some confrontational situation where often they might have ended up in tears or angry or yelling, and there was no resolution. And if anything, the family, the friend, the significant other is even digging their heels in further. So they're coming into me feeling hopeless, uh, feeling sad, and wondering, how do I move forward? Can I move forward? What would that look like? Hmm. And 
in your view, what role has the pandemic played in in all of this? Is that one of the things that's making this this worse for families? It is, yeah, and it's interesting because not to sound so you know existential, but it really is almost like another illness that's out there, right? It's like we have several illnesses that are going on right now in the world. And um, conspiracy theories is definitely one that's in the United States and a few other countries. I think it's really um, played a big role for a few things. One, we are more reliant on our support systems than we ever have been. And that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. So these people are so precious and important to us and our, you know, social well-being and mental health. The thought of losing them or feeling like we can't be authentic with them is very frightening. Mm. Another one is, for instance, if they're feeling like the pandemic is not serious or, you know, something else, we could be significantly worried that they are putting themselves in harm's way, especially if they're in a vulnerable population. So I've seen that a lot where I've talked to people, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they may have um, relatives, parents who are in their, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who are not taking the pandemic seriously, or what they would identify to me as not taking the pandemic seriously. And um, this is devastating to them, Hmm. because, you know, they love their family, and they want them safe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Frank in Warren. Frank, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just wanted to talk about, uh, I had an experience where I got back from unemployment during the pandemic. I worked at a tier one automotive manufacturer. And it was a really nice, cozy desk job, but when I got back, everybody was really into QAnon conspiracies, and it was so overwhelming because I was already arguing with everybody about Trump support, and then I get back to work, and they're like, Eric Gardner was a deep fake, and mm. I'm like, what are you talking about? Wow. And it, it got to the point where I was yelling at my coworkers, screaming at them. I was throwing up every morning because I, I just, I hated going into that job. And I had to quit. I, I, had, to, I had to leave my job because wow. um, I brought it up with HR and they did not care. And I couldn't do that to myself anymore. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, Frank, I'm so sorry about that. that yeah, that's a so terrible intense. story, Frank. I mean, it's just, that's just awful. Uh, Ronnie, what what would you counsel somebody who finds themselves in that kind of position? Yeah, so this is really difficult. Um, and it depends if, you know, people actually have the option of quitting, you know, because some people will tell me that there, there isn't an option. They're not sure if there's another job out there financially that can float themselves. Mm-hmm. It, as difficult as this can be, I tell everybody Maybe make some space if you can full on noticing, right? So I almost will, I'll I'll describe it as like fear of flying, right? So you're going to get on the plane and say, oh, here's the dizziness, you know, here's my, here's my stomach ache. You're going to almost know that this is going to be uncomfortable. And you might say, you know what, this doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm kind of willing to listen to what you say. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, Frank, that you're going to be changing any of your views, But by being a little bit just 
or acting as if you're open to it, it's going to put them on a significantly less defensive track. Mm. And secondly, um, this is a big part of psychotherapy is modeling. So a lot of times I think where we're stuck is that we're seeing people who had all these core values all of our lives suddenly are shifting. We're like, wait, wait, what? Like, this is never something you would have aligned with, thought about, considered, and now you're all in. So the difference that we're going to have to do is we're going to have to model that we are staying consistent, Hmm. right? So we're going to be the consistent one. We're showing up. We're open. We're listening. You know, for instance, I decided to, I decided to get vaccinated, but I normalized that, listen, it is new. You know, mRNA technology is new. We haven't done it before. And so when I have family and friends who talked to me and said that they thought it was crazy, I was ruining my body, who knows about these long-term consequences, I said to them, listen, I, so instead of saying, you're insane, you don't understand science, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, no, you know what? This did make me nervous. Luckily, because I'm in my field, I was able to talk to many uh, physicians, some who work in research, and they would be happy to talk to you, too. And while, you know, it wasn't 100% as far as I felt, okay, great, I decided it was worth it for me, and I made the decision to go forward. So I'm modeling that I'm the same person. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Uh, Frank, again, that is uh, a very, very tough story to hear, and I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Um, let's go to Sharon in Harrison Township. Uh, Hi, Sharon. Sharon. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I am a retired clinical social worker, and, okay. you know, I'm kind of used to stepping back and listening to people's views and their beliefs and not really getting, um, you know, uh, sucked into them or, you know, convinced, do you know what I'm saying? Right. We have our boundaries to make sure our counter-transference isn't coming (laughs) in, right? right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But I will tell you, in my personal life, I have a a friend that I went to grade school with, for God's sake, and I had another friend that was, you know, very, we were in a very intimate relationship, and both of them have been damaged by this because I got to the point where I really resented the fact that they wanted to convert me, you know, or they wanted to save me because <laughs> there was something wrong with me that I wasn't jumping on board and agreeing with them. The one relationship really just has ended, and the other one with my, um, with my friend uh, from school, um, who's also a very devout Christian, um, we finally, finally, after I want to say years of discussion or lack of discussion, have finally gotten to the point where we said, can, I, can we just agree that we don't want to live in fear? Mm. And okay. that's where we were able to meet, yeah. at that spot right wow. there. Wow. And, uh, I, think that's, I think that's beautiful, that you were able to kind of set that boundary and find a common ground. And it sounds like, you know, you're still at least staying open to listening to her. And this does not mean, I keep you know, saying, this does not mean any of your views are going to change. But you're still saying, listen, I love you, I'm here, and I'm, you know, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sharon, thanks very much for the call uh, in the comments. 
Uh, okay, Ronnie Hormel, I would love to, of course, have you here just uh, giving great advice to our listeners all day, but uh, but we're out of time for this segment. But I really do appreciate uh, you joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I, I tell, I'll just you know end this with, it, this is probably the first time since World War II, to be honest, that so many of us therapists and just the entire country are in such a parallel process with each other, hmm. with uncertainty, um, illness and just struggling with, you know, um, what is the truth, how to support each other and how to just stay healthy ourselves mentally and physically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ronnie, Evan, Ormel, thanks very much for being with thanks us. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take another break and when we come back, we're going to have a conversation with author and poet Reginald Dwayne Betts ahead of his performance at Wayne State University later today. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.